What is this uh, noise you might uh, ask? This is me driving the all new 2022 Chevrolet. Oh, that sounds good. Silverado ZR2 through the California desert on the recently uh, uh, held media drive. 420 horsepower, 6.2 liter, 10 speed automatic, and uh, upsized DSSV Multimatic shocks. Dude, I'm looking at the uh, the video that's playing right now on your phone. You're hauling ass. Might be a little faster than they said we could go. It's possible. So yeah, uh, that's what you do, don't you? You always go a little bit faster. We're going to talk to a couple of the engineers on the program here on the show, and then also have a really important conversation with uh, John Pulley from Turn 14, who is uh, trying to get everybody energized for a GoFundMe campaign to essentially save the aftermarket. It's not just race cars. It's every part you've ever bolted on your vehicle, car or truck, that makes it more powerful or faster or more fun to drive. Like, seriously, like this is going to be, it might be a little heavy, so we apologize in advance, but I think you'll find it very informative. And if you don't get fired up, then you're dead inside. And you have no soul. Be, and yeah. we can't be friends with you. No, no. You're going to have to not listen anymore because if you don't stand up for this like we are and our friends, then um, shove off. <laughs> <laughs> but not before we think Nissan as our presenting sponsor where you could head on down to the local Nissan dealership and choose from a Frontier, a Titan, or a Titan XD. The Frontier starting at 28340 the Titan at 38310 and the Titan XD at Forty-five, eight, eighty. Time out, yes, time out. Did you say twenty-eight, three forty? That's a that's a typo, right? Twenty-eight, three forty. Nicely equipped. You made thirty-eight, three forty. And by the way, the right? standard engine, yeah. is three hundred and ten horsepower, three point eight liter V six with two hundred eighty-one pound feet torque. That's the most horsepower in its class, and it can tow six thousand seven hundred and twenty pounds. And if you want to step up to more truck, you can go to the Titan, where the Titan comes standard with a five point six liter V eight. 400 horsepower mm. sounds great, mm-hmm. and if you need uh, the maximum amount of towing capability, the XD 11,060 pounds. So head on over to NissanUSA.com where you can find a dealer, build and price, or check out all the features and the gallery for yourselves and see if a Nissan Frontier or Titan is right for you. By the way, reliable, dependable, well-built, mm-hmm. and the industry's best warranty on the Nissan Titan, Titan XD. Five-year, 100,000-mile warranty, the best in the business. And I think you've heard us say it before, today's trucks fly by wire where the pedal isn't actually connected to anything but a bunch of wires. There's a lot of pedal latency and uh, pedal trickery, as I like to call it, built into the system because they don't want you wasting too much fuel or doing a burnout from a stop with today's powerful <laughs> engines. So they kind of deaden the pedal. And if you don't like that, if you feel like that lagginess or that pedal latency uh-huh. is uh, it's harshing your uh, You're your harshing your mellow. Harshing yeah, your mellow, yes. Har- yes. Harshing your mellow, then you want to go to bankspower.com where you can check out the Pedal Monster. Now, the Pedal Monster is not like all of the other throttle devices on the market. The yeah. Pedal Monster is patented, comes with safety technology, comes with 30 different levels of sensitivity and throttle mapping so you can find exactly the right feel for you. Banks Power does have them for cars as well. So, you know, the wife's car, your secondary, your daily, whatever. But the patented features that you're talking about, and speaking of patented features, the Pedal Monster is the only one that knows when you put your truck in reverse and it sets you back to stock throttle seamlessly. So you don't jackknife your fifth wheel. You don't uh, run over your daughter on a tricycle. And if there is ever a failure, it fails safes back to stock. To find out if we have one for your truck, enter your year, make, and model at BanksPower.com. The Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. We're going to answer what the truck, because truck rides with show we have the lifted we have the lowered and everything in between 
That's us. I'm Lightning. He is Holman. He's uh, been a journalist for how many years now, Holman? Uh, almost 25. 19 here at the Motor Trend Group. And I've been a, an enthusiast since I could hold a uh, Hot Wheels in my hand. So, Well, if we're going by that standard, same here. <laughs> well, I'm not a journalist. I didn't know how to compare myself to uh, your stature. So we're, I guess the, uh, the, the level playing field is that we're both enthusiasts. What's up, everybody? It's Sean Holman from Four Wheeler, and I am in the 2022 Chevy Silverado ZR2. And uh, this thing is, uh, I guess, analogous to a Toyota TRD Pro, except uh, instead of a hybrid twin turbo V6, you get a 6.2 liter, 420 horsepower, 460 pound foot of torque V8 connected to a 10 speed automatic transmission. Uh, the big news on the ZR2 is that it ups off road capability of the Silverado platform. To a different level, you've got 33-inch tires, front and rear lockers, and the biggest star of the show is the Multimatic DSSV spool valve shock. So if you are familiar with uh, the Colorado ZR2 and its shocks, you're really going to like what the Silverado has to offer. The uh, spool valve shocks are pretty much uh, the only, uh, well, Chevy's the only one in the market using the DSSV technology. And uh, instead of having your typical um, monotube, shock that has a piston with a shim stack uh, these shocks use spool valves and uh, on the Silverado it's a three chamber design so there's basically three bodies welded together and uh, a lot of flow a lot of fluid uh, they work really well they just like in the Colorado you can feel just you know how great they are soaking up a lot of force in a very small amount of stroke so we're talking about 10 inches of thereabouts little under in uh, front travel and right around 11 in rear travel which in the front is about two inches more than the standard Silverado so that's that's quite a bit and with these new Multimatic shocks it definitely takes this truck to the next level it already has a really great solid platform uh, really super strong and tight body no creaks and rattles anything like that uh, handles great DSSVs have a great on-road ride it feels um, very taut without being harsh and in a lot of uh, really plush off-road vehicles that, that maybe feel like a marshmallow where you blow through that travel, you don't really have that with the Multimatics. Instead, uh, you can just feel it's almost hydraulic in a sense in the way, especially at the end limits of the travel where it feels like a hydraulic bump stop without the harshness or noise. And so we're uh, out here in the desert in California and we're on this really great kind of uh, dirt road. It's got whoops and it's graded and we're going about 30 miles an hour but I thought we would uh, put it into the best mode that the Silverado has to offer. And that is when you hold down the ESC button for about seven seconds and all the nannies go off, making this a, uh, a truly a driver's vehicle. One other thing is this V8 breathes through a uh, GM performance exhaust system, which sounds absolutely awesome when you uh, get under power. It's very healthy. It's got plenty of, uh, plenty of torque. And uh, I think we'll uh, find a spot just down here and we'll open it up just a little bit so you can kind of see, you know, what it's uh, what it's like to uh, to feel the ZR2. So this is again a, a really great competitor to like the uh, TRD Pro uh, Tundra, uh, maybe the Ford Tremors. This is not, you know, the, the competition for the wide wheelbase or wide track trucks like a Raptor or TRX. Those are still kind of a next level, but this is probably the uh, one of the best off-road packages you can get out of the uh, the regular width trucks. 
and uh, also this has a full complement of skid plating, uh, tow hooks, all the things that you want in an off-road machine. So we're gonna drive. Carrying a pretty good clip about highway speeds in a lot of places, maybe a, a little bit more. The uh, ZR2 uses uh, leaf springs in the back, so it's not a link coil like some of the competition, but it is still very stable, feels very good off road. It's really fun, plenty of power. We're four high right now, but you do have the option of auto, four wheel drive, or even uh, two wheel drive high, and of course, four low. see this truck being a lot of fun for trail work or uh, for those of you who enjoy uh, blasting through the desert on roads like these it's absolutely out out at, uh, at home out here and uh, just just a riot it's just uh, you know with that big old v8 there's so much torque you're never wanting for uh, for power in terms of power delivery or anything like that you hear how nice that thing sounds The truck's also very tossable where you can drift it into a corner, and especially with that ESC button pushed, it lets you be a driver. So many uh, vehicles today are, are ready to throw the nannies at you and, you know, end all the fun too early before uh, you get yourself into trouble. But if you're somebody who likes to drive and you know how to drive at the limits, this truck will reward you with a really fun chassis, especially for its, its size and its weight. It's very tossable and very responsive. The other thing that we really like about this truck is the brakes are fantastic and a really great steering feel. So all those things that make you want to drive something and enjoy it, the Chevy Silverado ZR2 has. And when you air it out, it soaks it up like nothing. So anyway, uh, I'm going to get back to driving this thing sideways around corners and airing it out some more while I uh, still have it before you get yelled at by Chevy. All right, so it's Holman. I'm here with, uh, I'm going to mess up your name, Jim Holtgraven. Nailed it. Yeah! <laughs> and Jeff Scott, the man with two first names? Three, actually, but oh. I'm not going to tell you the third one. <laughs> they say never trust uh, anybody with uh, that many first names, so... All right, uh, we're out here in a beautiful Joshua Tree National Park, and we are on the Chevy Silverado ZR2 drive. You two are pretty important to the program. Yep, so I'm the uh, lead <laughs> development engineer for the Silverado ZR2. Hey, Sean, I'm the vehicle dynamics lead on the Silverado ZR2. So arguably, the ZR2's importance in the lineup uh, surrounds its suspension and off-road capability. So I would say that's pretty important to uh to your role jeff right yeah that's, that's exactly <laughs> what i make it fun to drive uh so we just did i don't know about 30 miles or so maybe a little bit more so the rule was don't go over 50 i did not go over 50 and i got it off the ground at least twice <laughs> and i will tell you that those multimatic dssv dampers uh were uh, were fantastic so um jim let's start with you and talk about uh zr2 maybe um some of the technology on it, how it came to be. Obviously, it's following in the footsteps, if you will, of the success of the ZR2 on the midsize Colorado platform. And this sort of uh, is taking another step forward to what the ZR2 brand means within the walls of uh, Chevy. Yeah, that's correct, Sean. So on the 
On the Silverado ZRT, we really wanted to push something that was a great performer on-road as well as the capable off-road. So we wanted to have the nice everyday features, comfort, you know, comfort creatures you're used to on the inside. Uh, something you can drive every day around town, get in any kind of parking spots or anywhere you would normally do, but then be able to take it out on weekends, tow something to the dunes and run the truck out on the dunes or through trails wherever you go. And some of the features that help that, we redesigned the front and rear end to really help with the ground clearance, help with your approach and departure angles. Um, and in addition to that, the Multimatic dampers, as you mentioned, that's a huge enabler, gives us roughly two inches front additional wheel travel, one inch rear additional wheel travel. So where are we at, about 10, 11-ish? Correct, yeah, roughly in that range. Um, and then in addition to that, we added front and rear electronic locking differentials, which we showed today on one of the climbs that we did, it's really capable easy way to crawl, crawl through. The other thing we added, we, we previously had had terrain mode in other spots. We took that into here and integrated it more with the differentials as well as four-wheel drive to make a one-pedal drive solution that makes things really easy. Yeah, so there's a couple modes. One of them we were playing with was the off-road mode. The other mode was the terrain mode. And terrain mode is a little bit more of a point-and-shoot, and, and off-road mode seems to be more of a driver's mode. Is that kind of how it, it, it filters out? It's along those lines. In addition to that, when you're in terrain mode, it's a version of one-pedal drive. Yeah. So if you're in four, four-wheel drive high, it's going to still allow you to coast and not completely come to a yeah. stop, but kind of just an assist where as you let off the accelerator, it's going to start bringing you down. I won't lie. It messed me up for a minute because I kept thinking I had the parking brake on, and I'm like, what's going on? Oh, terrain mode. Went back to off-road because I, I like to have as, as little of those features on, and it's nice that you can still, as the driver, decide what level of engagement you want the, the vehicle to have uh, in terms of... Um, you know, being a driver's vehicle, nannies, all the aides. And so we've got a diverse group of journalists here uh, of really every skill level and the truck. Um, you know, we're amazingly enough, we're ahead of schedule on our lunch stop because it's capable enough that even people who don't spend a lot of time off road had a really easy time driving it out. And, you know, we're doing 30 or 40 miles an hour off road, which, you know, these aren't uh, smooth trails. There's a lot of rocks and holes and things like that. So for some of the more novice drivers to come out and be able to drive at speed and, and keep the group moving, it kind of shows how capable and comfortable and confidence inspiring the truck is. It's one of the biggest keys, right? Is you want people to be able to run off road comfortably. And I think that was really one of the keys of this truck is that we want it not beat you up as you're running through the trail, but then again in town not beat you up the opposite direction yeah. and still comfortable to drive around. And exactly with that, we've got off road mode for kind of the higher speeds or less, you know, control. You've got terrain uh, mode, which is really in four high, gonna add some braking. Four low, typically more for rock crawling type application. Uh, and then as you get into, you've got front, you could run the rear locker in any mode, any gears. So you could be two-wheel drive, rear locker only. Um, Which is awesome, by the way. I played with that on the way out, and uh, it's always nice when a manufacturer gives you the freedom to use the locker where you deem. Because there's a lot of times in four high, maybe it's sand, maybe it's even mud, where you don't want the you know the engine and all that torque getting to the ground you kind of have to temper it a little bit but you need the locker you need that that traction from both rear wheels and so there's a lot of places where we love a, a you know even a two high locker four high locker so some of the competition even in their higher end trucks don't let you have that option in two-wheel drive anymore so we're looking at the truck there's some styling differences uh the grill i think you guys nailed it on the grill i think it looks awesome it's got a, a power dome kind of hood 
you talked about the reshape front bumpers that uh, improve approach angles plus it's a steel bumper and the end caps come off so if you want to take them off to get more clearance in the corners if you're going to go rock crawling or if you damage them easy to just replace the wing on the bumper and not the whole thing uh, more skid plating um, again you went to lockers the exhaust is tucked up high and out of the way in the back this is a 6.2 v8 so 420 horse and 460 torque and that's with the 10-speed automatic, which is, has so far proven to be a really, really good transmission and really well matched to both the 5.3 and the 6.2 in these trucks. Yeah, and just to give you a background for the, the tucked exhaust, that was a learning through our development process. Similar to a lot of our other trucks, we had the exhaust coming out the back with the bezels. We found as we went through, it was a spot where we could damage them and didn't give us the you know departure angles that we were looking for. So I think just a learning as we go through, test these trucks. I think as we mentioned today in the presentation, we've tested them throughout five states, through Tennessee, Arizona, California, Michigan, a lot of different types of yep. terrain to find out where they, you know, how we can make them work everywhere. And the new interior is gorgeous. The the, the dash, the uh, was it a twelve point three inch driver information center and a thirteen point four inch on the center stack. Correct. So on top of that, yeah, thanks for mentioning that. Uh, we love being able to show the no Google automotive services built in system on the thirteen point four inch screen. In addition, we have the large heads up display screen too. I think which we showed some of the folks today. You can have your off road information up there while you're driving, so you're not having to look down and you can see you know your your all the different directions your truck's moving. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. I was playing with the heads-up display modes, and and the the dash is uh, once you kind of get the layout, it's pretty intuitive. But every all the buttons are kind of arranged where you want them. But w- one thing you guys do that I like is that sort of piano toggle switch style that came in the Colorado. It's now made into other products in the GM lineup, including the Silverado. And so the things that you're going to push a button and want to get into right away, like lockers and electronic stability control and all that, are great because you can just hit it. It's right there. And as with the Colorado, if you hold down the ESC button for a while, uh, the magic fun mode comes uh, up on the screen. That, uh, that may be true, yes. <laughs> so in the Colorado, we kind of joke and call it angel mode because all the nannies you know, go away. On this particular trail, I didn't get it up to speed where I could figure out, is it similar in strategy to that threshold being mostly removed until the limit, or are, is it more locked down than the Colorado? Because one of the things about the Colorado is it is a truly, in that mode, a driver's vehicle, and then there's so many trucks out there that you may have an ESC off button, but the threshold into it changed, but where it comes in didn't. So it's like this false floor that you've removed, but the nannies are still ever present. When you're driving in Colorado, they don't come in until the very, very limit, and it is a blast to drive. And I think that's one of the reasons, you know, Colorado has been such a popular midsize truck in the off-roading space. A, ZR2 came out and has is legitimately a good truck, but the fact that you can get back to being a driver. Yeah, so similar to that, uh, in off-road mode, to, with the you know, process you mentioned, yeah, similarly there. We party or fun mode a lot of times, <laughs> it's called. But yeah, similar. it's going to be a, similar to how the Colorado is tuned in that space. All right, so uh, let's talk about suspension tuning. So I had some time to uh, spend in it on the trail. I have to tell you, on the highway, the, the tuning is amazing. The truck rides really great. If you've ever experienced a Multimatic DSSV in a Colorado, you're really going to like what the Silverado provides. It's a completely different shock experience than your traditional uh, shim stack. These are using spool valves. Uh, I believe the Colorado is a two-can shock, and you went to a three-can yeah. on the uh, Silverado. I'm, I'm assuming for uh, pressures and things like that from the weight and added performance. Yeah, it's a three-chamber system. You get your main working chamber, your valving chamber, and then your gas chamber. You know, and that's one of the ways we were able to increase the, the travel out of the suspension. 
when you take your gas chamber out of your monotube and it's basically an external gas chamber yep so it increases your shock dead length yes but, because essentially for those of you who are listening if you have your monotube shock you can put your dividing piston out of the main body and put it into your reservoir exactly. and that way that gives your piston more travel because you're not taking up that real estate inside your monotube whereas on the multimatics you basically are putting those inside chambers that are associated with the main body which it's it's interesting because the packaging it has to be a little bit more difficult because of how the shock is there's not a remote it's all in one unit but the DSSVs are interesting because the feel is almost hydraulic where you never really crash into the jounces. It's almost like a bypass shock or something that has like a um, hydraulic bump stop, except because it's all internal, you don't hear that pad hitting and you don't have the harshness that comes in through the chassis. And I've, I might have aired it out a couple times, <laughs> and upon landing, you could really feel how well it controls that secondary motion. But most of all, is on the Multimatics, you can it's taut while being compliant. It's not plush, so it's not going to blow through travel like some of the competition does with the other shocks. It's always feels really composed and sporty, but not harsh. And I don't know how to describe it other than that, but. It's it's this very different feel than anything else on the market. Well, what really makes the DSSV dampers, you know, uh, a great damper for an off-road application is it's a position-sensitive damper, right? Think of it as um, your wheel working in a normal range of travel, so we can tune it for on-road comfort. But then you have high-velocity end-of-travel damping um, available with the other spool valve that you can get a large amount of control off-road, you know, high-velocity whoops, or washboard so it's really you're really able to tune in two separate ranges that you want for an off-road vehicle to be comfortable on road the other thing about the uh, dssv so the spool valve when you're when you're talking about it if you think of a standard shock has a piston rod with a piston and then there's a bunch of shims under it that that change the the flow of it and if you want to have you know a bypass shock you basically can tune the piston hard and put bypass ports around it the Multimatic has these chambers and the flow of the shock is interesting because in a standard reservoir, you're going back and forth in the hose, whereas in a Multimatic DSSV damper, there's check valves and all the fluids being used all the time, which means that from a thermal management standpoint and from a you know just a working standpoint, you have access to all the fluid in the shock. And so it's, it's completely different in these little spool valves that look like... Um, if you can think of an old like Japanese car that has the power antenna icon, that's sort of what, like the window of a spool valve looks like, and these little reliefs or windows open up as the shock goes through its travel. And uh, it looks like Jeff's pulling out a uh, spool valve right now. Never turn, never leave home without it. Check it out. So we're uh, we're looks like the world's most expensive uh, fidget uh, toy. <laughs> <laughs> but <clears throat> you're absolutely right, Sean. That one of the main advantages from the spool valve application in an off-road world is it's, it's more resistant to viscosity changes of the oil, which means heat. Right. right? You're going to see less fade with a spool valve type shock. And you guys have um, put these on, you know, for haul racing. Chad's been yep. using a race version of the shock on the Silverado, which I still uh, think has finished every race that it started. Yes. Uh, had a chance to ride with them back at Yuma when he f was in that truck for the very first time. And, I mean, they look like Folger coffee cans on the back of that. So <laughs> the Silverado ZR2, the production version, obviously a different shock and not as big, but the technology and, and 
the strategy there is there, and I'm sure you guys had a lot of learnings from the race program on tuning. Yeah, we use Chad Hall Racing to validate a lot of components on the truck, not just the dampers, but um, you know the rocker protection that you see on these trucks today, as well as the performance uh, aftermarket exhaust that is on them. And we have one other thing that's coming soon to dealers is a steel drive shaft that oh. was validated on Chad yeah. Hall's race truck. So back in the Hummer days uh, with the Hall Race team, there was things that translated directly from the race truck into production like thicker brackets for the rear control arms and you know that sort of stuff so you guys are still engaging the race team to make sure that the enthusiast gets a better product at the end 100 percent yeah that that they are part of our development team so what is uh either of you the one thing about this program that you pushed hard to get in that you're happy it made it that you, had to, uh, that you had to fight for front lockers. Yeah, I mean, I think kind of a lot of it just the overall package, right? It's getting the approach angles you want, yeah. the departure angles you want. Yeah. Front lockers a huge benefit that you don't see much out in the market. That really just through some of those events like we saw today, where you're, you're lifting wheels and tires yeah. through slow rock crawling. And, and you guys have an overlay of brake traction control in there, and even without the lockers, it's it's pretty aggressive, and the vehicle is very capable. But there's no replacement for a true mechanical locker if you know how to use it properly that's that's the way to go and the fact that you guys have both in there is it, it really shows i think your commitment to the off-road enthusiast yeah and to me i think in addition to that i think we talked one pedal drive i think yep. really pushing it we've seen we have it other in applications but really pushing it to where we can use it for the off-road space to me that was a huge win and we're really proud of and has performed great as we've seen today yeah what would your opinion be of how easy it was to go up that uh, it, was, it was it was super easy. I'm. It's funny because I I don't I'm not a one pedal drive guy. I've driven it in the Bronco. I've driven it in a few other products, and it's always. Uh, uh, I think uh, the four by e Grand Cherokee has it. It's always super aggressive, more aggressive than I want because I don't want to stop. I always want to have a little bit of crawl. Mm-hmm. And with the modes that you guys are talking about, it allows you to kind of ease into a stop rather than grabbing you instantly and holding you on the hill. And I think that might be the difference between the Silverado's one pedal drive and some of the competition is you're not trying to hold somebody necessarily on a downhill. And the problem when you are doing one pedal drive and the car stops is you kind of lose your mental image of the trail and what your line is going to be. And so as you're moving and feeling the, the vehicle, you still have that ability yeah and kind of along those lines right i think we've we've shown some of the camera technology we have on yeah. these trucks the camera oh by the way the camera resolution is awesome on these trucks i know there's a lot of vehicles out there that have cameras but they're like a really muddy image not on the zr2 the new silverado cameras are, are really high quality yeah and i think we've we've shown in previous versions of trucks the front camera the rear the sides 360 view all those types of things and the overhead but really as you take that into the off-road space it really opens up a lot of doors for seeing alongside your truck seeing yeah. ahead or behind your truck we're really out here in the minutes. desert cresting a hill that's probably the biggest thing you don't know if the trail goes right or left or straight and you can just hit that front camera and not have to get out and i i think just as simple as as cresting as hill that's technology that is there that makes it you know more enjoyable and a safer trip well building on some of the comments that jim said about the interior the technology and a lot of the interior appointments that are in the zr2 they've come from the high country our highest trim level so to jim's comments that's why we wanted to put the higher end technology and comfort in this because we wanted to make this truck for a customer who wants anything. Yeah, I think you know there's a lot of companies that it, they put it, make an off-road package and it's a intermediate trim, yeah, or it's an overlay, but maybe you can't get it on the luxury trim because of the wheel and tire package or whatever the the uh, tuning is on it. 
the fact that this is sort of like an off-road high country in a lot of ways is pretty cool because I think there's a lot of people who want to have a comfortable daily driven truck, but they like the aggressive uh, sound from the exhaust. They like the aggressive styling on the outside and they want to go off-road and tow their toys out to wherever their playground is. And I think uh, this is where the Silverado ZR2 is going to be really successful. And I know we've got like, I've literally like another 75 plus miles today. So uh, 150 total today. I mean, that's pretty good for a media drive, you know, especially when the majority of that is off-road. Exactly. So I'm looking forward to getting behind the wheel. I will say the other thing um, about Silverado, this chassis is, is solid. No creaks or rattles from the body. The frame is super solid, so you can feel the suspension working. The the chassis is not fighting you. The brake pedal feel on this generation of truck is fantastic. And uh, Lord have mercy. Steering wheel centered. Love it. <laughs> Best part. <laughs> All right, guys. I'm going to go get behind my uh, centered steering wheel and go enjoy these uh, Multimatic DSSVs for the rest of the day. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, Sean. Dude, I'm so jealous. Please, I, I mean, I don't want to sound like a beggar, but at some point, just take me on one of these ride and drives. Yeah, I'm not allowed to. It's, you're not invited. Sorry. But you can't ask Chevy? No. Yeah. What, do you, what am I going to say? Can my... I'm a journalist. Since when? You, I'm, I'm you a started the show host. by saying you weren't. I'm a podcast host. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll see if that... Okay. Oh, you know what? Do they have YouTubers? All right, I'll do, Are I'll, you saying that there was I'll no YouTubers it. on that? I'll do it, but you have to do all my video work and be my camera and my social girl. I'm, I will do your camera work. I'm not going to do your social. I do too much social for my day job, no, but I will well, do your you camera work. That's the deal. All right, I'll do social. All right. Uh, here, I, <laughs> I, I, just, I just caved that fast. So this is the GM Performance <laughs> Exhaust. This is just a, a, a nice little clip. I wanted you guys to hear what that 6.2 sounds like because it uh, it's pretty sweet. Oh, this is the Borla. This is the Borla. Oh, okay. That's your, not your typical Chevy. That's that's it actually climbing a uh, a big off camber mountain, so you can kind of hear it under load a little bit. But sure sounds nice. Yeah, it's that's a nice. Uh, I wonder what that would be. Would that be closer to the S type or the attack? I think that's more uh, more S type, aggressive, but not uh, not on the bitter you know bitter edge because you don't want any droning. It sounded great on the highway. Uh, it was kind of interesting. I didn't have a chance to crawl under there. But I believe it's probably a true duel because as you're going through the desert like 2000, you could kind of hear the pulses behind you. It was really kind of just funky. It was awesome. But, man, you get on it. It's just like, oh. Just, uh, Don't do that again. <laughs> don't do that again. All right, well, Save that uh, for your wife. All right. Well, in lieu of, well, hey, <laughs> in lieu of that, why don't we uh, get into some news? What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks? Ah! Solid. It was all right. Solid. All right. Solid. It was all right. I thought it was good. Hey, Lighting, did you hear? No! I did not. At least I don't think so. What you got? But you're not sure. Uh, No, I'm going to say it with some confidence. No, I have not heard. But you're not sure? I... I no, I'm still not sure. Well, you're making me have self-doubts. Do I know the story or not? I got a couple uh, EV uh, uh, interesting stories here. So I probably don't know. Have you heard what Rivians are going for in the secondary market right now? Mm, holy no, I have not. Holy no. Uh, one recently. Can I guess? Sure. I'm gonna say that a fully loaded Rivian R1T is going for a hundred and sixteen thousand. 139000 for a used R1T launch edition. 
Wow. And then there was another one that was something like... Um, Explains why I've only seen two on Southern California highways. Why? Because they're all being uh, squirreled away in uh, containers for... I guess uh, so. Flipping them? There's another one sold for, I believe it was uh, 159000 Something like that? Like $160,000 yeah. for an EV truck. Well, that's not that's not the thing about it. That I'm, okay, whatever. People pay what they pay, but I mean, that's almost double. That's crazy. That's just crazy money. No comprende. Uh, and then also, I don't know if you heard about this one. No, God, please, no, no. no I've not heard. I don't think. Uh, there was a, uh, a gentleman who uh, bought two GMC Hummers at the same time, mm-hmm. and he was uh, auctioning one of them at no reserve. Uh, he purchased it at a Mecham auction earlier this year for over, get this, $280,000. No, that's not true. And if the, because there's no reserve, if the truck doesn't exceed two eighty six, yeah, then guess what? He lost his butt on that one. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I haven't seen the follow-up. I, I don't know if it has been auctioned yet, but mm-hmm. it was one of those deals where you're like, oh, hold your breath for the guy, because uh, I believe this one was on Bring a Trade. Let me see if I can find it really quick, because it would be interesting to see, like, uh, is this guy... Uh, what, what do you tell your wife? Oh, dude, what? it's sold. It's sold? It sold a couple days ago. You're kidding me. 275000 Well, that's just... Two hundred and seventy-five thousand. That's just ridiculous. On bring a trailer. That's no just less. that's ridiculous. Wow. That's come on now. I just it just blows my mind. What you people said two seventy-five, two hundred seventy-five thousand dollars for a Hummer. Freaking wild for an electric Hummer. Dude, I'm, it's just it's wild. So who's got that kind of? Is this like a chic or something? Who bought no, it? No, I think it's just a collector, and it sounds like he almost broke a uh, broke even. So, um, wow. Wow! I, just the, the numbers. I mean, you're talking, you know, absolute supercar territory here, and um, yeah, it's, it's 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 nothing short of mind-boggling. Hey, Lightning, did you hear? No, I don't think so. As we've alluded, the uh, Nissan Frontier is uh, now America's second best-selling midsize. Congratulations, uh, Nissan! Chevy Colorado behind it, uh, followed by the Jeep Gladiator, and then the uh, Ford Ranger behind that, and of course, number one right now is the Toyota Tacoma, but that's huge for Nissan. So uh, the Tacoma sold through March uh, 53,182 units, mm-hmm. and it's a 20% decline year over year, while the Nissan Frontier saw a 107.8% surge, and they oh are up at 22,405 sold through March. Oh, listen, hold on so a second. So still half the volume of Toyota, but they're ramping up, and, and obviously supply chain and all that, but... Dude, that's massive for those oh, guys. Sh- 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 you, you can hear them from their main office. Yeah, buddy! <laughs> that's it right there. And the Chevy Colorado is in third place with uh, approximately uh, 800 or so less sales uh, with a 9.9% drop. They're at 21,693. Mm-hmm. Uh, GMC only sold 6,160 Canyon. So if you combine those two, that platform is second. But as uh, the brands are split out, GMC comes in fourth. And it's sort of interesting. Uh, Jeep Gladiator is uh, behind there in fourth place, seventeen thousand nine hundred twelve. Although that's been one of those ones definitely affected by the uh, by the market and uh, supply chain issues. Uh, Ford's Ranger rounds out the top five. Guess how many sales? Uh, Ranger. 
17,639. Oh. Uh, and that's actually fewer oh. than what Ford sold with the Maverick. Oh. Do you think they're you saying that? They're, they're saying. No! <laughs> so the Maverick sold 19,245 through March. The, uh, the Ranger brand manager is saying. <laughs> well, they have the new Rangers coming out this year, so but I just thought it was interesting. Also, if you look at the Hyundai Santa Cruz, which is the other unibody small pickup truck out there, uh, it sold 8,400, which is actually respectable, I would think. Uh, and Ridgelines, 9,189 to round out the unibody pickup truck. So uh, the Frontier, 22,000, holding its own. That's, yeah. that's pretty great. It's a great little truck. And uh, if you haven't seen one, uh, we always say it in the beginning, at the end of the show, head to your local Nissan dealership or NissanUSA.com. Uh, it's it's worth uh, you checking out, especially if you're looking for a good, solid uh, mid-sized pickup truck. Hey, Lightning, did you hear? No, 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 no. I don't think so. Uh, buying a Ram 1500 TRX in Australia will cost you, what do you think? Okay. Keep in mind, this is an aftermarket right-hand drive conversion. Okay. In American dollars? In American dollars. $235,000. And what would that be in Australian dollars? Uh, hundred. I don't have a clue. <laughs> That's why I asked. Why do you, why do you put a, yourself in a corner I like that? Because it's fun. Uh, I, I don't know. No, you're wrong on both counts. Oh, uh, 180000 U.S. dollars yeah. or 245000 in Australian dollars. That's what I meant. I would have said exactly right. that. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's 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 interesting because they do that right-hand drive conversion. They have to do everything. They have to. Uh, the dash is all screwed it's up. All, no, it's it's like a mirror image. Even the you know, where like the TRX buttons are. Yeah, but where are they getting all that stuff? I I'm not sure how it works. Uh, we, we that would be interesting to call an Australian company. Yeah? that does right-hand drive conversions. Are they just three D printing everything? So it's all like uh, I, don't, I don't know. No, I'm sure they probably go to the same suppliers as the OE. That's why it's so expensive. And say, hey, we need a thousand dashes in reverse. Do you know how many how expensive it would be to make a th- just only one thousand dashes? Yes, that's why this absurdly thing, that's expensive. That's why this thing is uh, double the price. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> it looks like, uh, according to this article, the TRX examples uh, being completed in partnership with SCD Remanufactured Vehicles. I guess they specialize in right-hand drive conversions of various uh, U.S. domestic market pickup trucks. And uh, they've got sale listings on their website, um, which is pretty interesting. But there's a steering transfer technology that uses a pair of 90-degree gearboxes so that the steering wheel can be shifted to the other side of the vehicle without changing the OEM steering geometry. I'd like to kind of want to dig into this a little bit more. I think that'd be an interesting topic for the show is, like, what was it required to take a U.S. truck and make it right-hand drive? I don't know. And they do have fairly stringent uh, oh, rules over very there. You know stringent, I mean? Very stringent uh, hmm. rules. Even a Ram 1500 limited crew cab uh, starts at 139500 Australian dollars or 105 American dollars. So anyway, kind of kind of interesting. I might I might dig in this a little bit more because if we could get somebody from that company uh, to come on, I'd be really curious to see what goes into that. Hmm. Hey, Lightning, did you hear? No. No, I did not. Uh, Jeep executive uh, Jeff Ellsworth made some bold statements to an Australian outlet called Cars Guide. Apparently, uh, he said something uh, about Toyota and said, uh, after being asked if Jeep had a better off-road package on the market, he didn't even hesitate, but said, I'm biased, but for sure, and went on to say, there are different types of uh, off-roading, and I have respect for Toyota, so nothing against them, but when it comes to rock crawling, Toyota can't do what we can do. (laughs) (laughs) Burn. And you know our good friend Mm -hmm. uh, Jim Morrison over at Jeep uh, in the U.S. also is not uh, one to shy away from... Mm -hmm. uh, Calling out the competition, so it's always fun to see what the executives are are willing to put out there. But uh, after driving the uh, new Grand Cherokee 4xe, 
Uh, and I've driven both the uh, regular gas uh, two-door and the long wheelbase three-row. Uh, they are an incredibly capable vehicle. So it's uh, no, uh, no surprise to me that the executives are bold on their product. I love when they uh, the way shot call. Oh, absolutely. Hey, Lightning, did you hear? No, 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 no! I don't think so. Uh, more uh, Hummer EV news. Uh, number one is uh, the reviews are out in first drive and are very positive. Uh, you can head over to MotorTrend.com and read the MotorTrend review or the four-wheeler review, I think, uh, by our good friend Jason Gonderman. But also, apparently, 75% of all Hummer EV reservation holders are new to the GMC brand, which is uh, exactly, I think, what those guys are hoping to see when they uh, put out a new product like that. And Lighting, did you hear? No. As far as I know, no, I haven't. Can you elaborate? Uh, Motor Trend recently shared the 10 quickest pickup trucks they've ever tested. I thought that was kind of an interesting article. Okay. Now, not fast, quickest. Quickest. So uh, these are all zero to 60 times, right? Um, don't we? Don't you? Does it annoy you as a journalist when people say quick when they mean fast and fast when they mean quick? No, because I just try and write to the lowest common denominator sometimes. And Me, yes. <laughs> Thank you for your honesty. So they did a list of the quickest accelerating production trucks that Motor Trends ever tested. And by the way, um, if you look at the criteria, it was trucks by zero to sixty. But if multiple trucks had the same zero to sixty, then the quarter mile result was the tiebreaker. Okay. All right, sure. So that's sure. that's what we're going to go off of here. And uh, let's see. Uh, number 10. 10. Uh, any, any guesses? Uh, yeah, number 10 is going to be a, uh, number 10 is going to be a Ford Raptor. Uh, Ford F-150 FX4 Tremor, a 2014 model. Um, this was the uh, single cab with the twin turbo 3.5 liter EcoBoost V6. So in that trim at that point in time was 365 horsepower and 420 pound feet with a six speed automatic. Zero to 60 was 5.8 seconds, and a quarter mile was 14.3 at 94.4. Okay. Which is pretty fast. Yeah, not bad. This is 2014. This is eight years ago. Wow. So, I mean, that's right. That stands. Pretty big big deal. Yeah. All right. Next one. Nine. Uh, Number nine, I'm going to guess Honda Ridgeline. 2016 GMC Sierra (laughs) Denali 4x4. Also 5.8 seconds to 60. It has the same uh, 6.2 liter as the Silverado. With This one was with the 8-speed automatic. And it ran the quarter mile at 14.2 at 97.1. And if I remember correctly, at that time, that may have been the fastest uh, truck that we tested in the quarter mile at Truck Trend because we hit the speed limit right as we went through the quarter. I believe it hit at 98 or 99. And it was like, whoa, that's yeah. pretty fast. Okay. Of course, we've had faster since then, but 14.2 at 97.1. Eight. I'm going to say the Cyclone. Okay, 2009 Dodge Ram Sport RT. Hmm. Uh, care to guess? The last one was the last two actually were 5.8 seconds. So I will say 5.5 seconds. This is uh, 5.7 seconds. All right, so this is the RT Sport truck, and uh, it's a single cab, 390 horsepower, 407 pound foot of torque, 5.7 liter Hemi V8. This is with the old five speed automatic clocked in at 5.7 on its way to a 14.4 second quarter at 93.4. Okay, healthy. So we had that back in 2009. Yeah. I we mean, were, that's, that's we were, quite we a while. some muscle back then. Yeah. yeah. Seven. Uh, next one I'm going to say is, I'm going to go down, let's say 5.6 then. We're going in uh, tenths. Oh, you're going in tenths. Okay, can you tell me what truck you think it sure, is? Sure, I'm going to stick with the Cyclone. Okay, you're sticking with the Cyclone. <laughs> this would be the 2017 Ford F-150 Raptor Super Cab. Uh, it's 5.2 seconds, 0 to 60. 
and it went on to kill the uh, quarter mile at 13.9 seconds, so mm-hmm. breaking 14, at 97.3 with the twin turbo 3.5 liter EcoBoost V6. That was uh, 450 horse and 510 pound-feet of torque. And uh, this was, uh, I believe, the first year of the 10-speed automatic. So healthy. Yeah. Healthy. Yep. Six. This one is going to be uh, five seconds even, and I'm going to say that this is a 91 Toyota SR5. Okay, now you've just uh, you've given up. 2004 Ford F-150 SVT Lightning, oh, yeah. 5.1 seconds, 0 to 60. Now, this one, all the way back in 2004, was a pretty big deal. Uh, it broke 100 miles an hour in the quarter with a mm-hmm. trap speed of 102 at 13.6 seconds. And that was from a 5.4 liter mod motor V8 that made 380 horse and 450 pound-feet of torque, which was huge back then, routed power through the rear wheels. And this was just a four-speed automatic. 065.155. 5. At uh, 4.8 seconds, I'm going to say that this is also a for a a Raptor. 2004 Dodge Ram SRT10. Ah. The old Viper truck. So okay. uh, this was 4.9 seconds 0 to 60. All right. So it had the Viper engine in it, one of my favorite of the modern sport trucks of all time. Uh, we actually had a whole episode on it with the chief engineer, Herb Helbig. back. Yep. So if you uh, want to hear about this truck from the inside, you'll definitely want to check out that episode. Uh, this might have been the craziest production street truck ever built, certainly of its day. It trounced the uh, Lightning handily, and then uh, a week after the Lightning took the uh, fastest truck, production truck uh, record, went out and smoked them. I think uh, Ford did like 147 and Ram did like 151 or something like that. So this was uh, 4.9 seconds. Woo! And a 13.2 second quarter mile from a 8.3 liter Viper V10 <laughs> that had 500 horse and 525 pound feet of torque. You got to remember, this thing was a manual. And in fact, it was the same manual that was oh used in Viper. Oh, my Lord. This is one of the last great manual transmission trucks, period. What trans was in there? Do you recall? Uh, I think it was a Tremec. Really? I, I, I'm pretty sure. Well, it's, those guys know how to build trans, yeah. As great as that is, it's the trap speed, I think, that put everybody... This, remember, this is 2004. What do you think the trap speed was? I'm going to say 118. Uh, no, 107.1. Okay. Which was amazing back in 2004. Full. And number four... This one's going to be surprising. 2008 Toyota Tundra TRD supercharged. Excuse me, what? So this was, uh, oh, geez, 2008. I mean, that's quite a ways ago, right? But if you remember, the previous generation Tundra TRD supercharged sport truck was available with TRD parts from the factory and didn't void the Tundra's new vehicle warranty. You could order it and have it installed the dealer. Zero to 60 of 4.4 seconds. What? And a quarter mile run of 13 seconds at 106.3. What? When supercharged, the 5.7 liter V8 cranked out 504 horse and 550 pound-feet of torque and had a six-speed automatic. Oh, my Lord. Didn't see that one coming, did you? Not even close, not even remotely. Three. Number three, I don't have a clue. Come on, you can't figure this one out? Well, I know know a a TRX is somewhere in there, but... um, All right. 2021 Ram 1500 TRX. 4.1 4.1 seconds 0 to 60, which we know after bro- uh, being broken in, they mm-hmm. get down in 3.9 and 3.8 territory. What are we doing uh, on our uh, way up to Borla? I think we did, uh, we were in our low fours. Yeah, we did like 4.2 yeah. on a uh, private road. Mm-hmm. Private. 
<laughs> it was private. It was uh, a private road, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. With uh, permission from the owner, Lightning. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a 702 horsepower, supercharged 6.2 liter V8. It is incredible. Because the truck is 6,100 pounds or no, whatever it is? No, it's like 6,500. Oh, okay. It's, it's I think they say 61, but that's the base model. Once you get all the you know goodies on it, it, it it's absurdly up. quick. You got to remember, we had two of us in it when we did it as well. So, so we're up like 600 pounds. Yeah, that, well, that's a lot of. <laughs> we were almost 7,000 pounds of man and truck. And and, and after we uh, had our Jersey mics, it was even heavier. With 252 more uh, ponies on board than the uh, Raptor, the Ram TRX, and actually uh, smoked the Ford of the drag strip, reaching 60 in 4.1 seconds. Um, that is, uh, I, I want to say we were hitting quarter. They don't list it in this particular article. It was uh, like a uh, 12.3 at 107 or 108 or something like that, or 12.1. Maybe it might have been 12.1. That's crazy for something that weighs almost four tons. Feels faster because you're, you're so high up here. It's just weird. You have that uh, you know, high center of gravity and all that mass around. It's just a... And it squats. You don't expect no. to just squat the way it does. And it barely squeaks a tire in launch mode. It's, right. it's so, very uh, cool. So TRX is there. Now, what about two? What about number two? Any guesses? Number two. So this is going to have to be... These are production trucks that are the quickest. There's something obvious that I'm not considering here. All right, 2022 Rivian R1T. Oh, yeah, of course, electric. Yeah, damn it. All right. All right, so the all-electric pickup truck has uh, four electric motors, one per wheel, pumping out a combined 835 horsepower, 908 pound-feet of torque, fed by a 135-kilowatt battery pack. Uh, You can get an optional 180-kilowatt battery pack, but that uh, ups driving range to 400, but adds weight. Um, So it's heavy, um, but the uh, traction of four wheels and... uh, yeah, sophisticated uh, traction control system, 0 to 60 in only 3.1 seconds. With all-terrain tires, that drops to 3.2 seconds. Oh, my <laughs> Lord. As if the Rivian needed the tiebreaker, it's uh, a full second quicker to 60 than the TRX. So the quarter-mile times, 11.6 at 110.8 on road tires and 11.7, but a speedier 111.2 on all-terrains, which is... Absolutely bonkers. Those are figures that are deep into Porsche territory and ahead of every uh, production gas pickup truck ever made. Okay. And number one. Number one has got to be the Hummer. Uh, With the Watts to Freedom or the what? The WTF mode? Mm -hmm. Three seconds, zero to 60. (laughs) And that thing does weigh like a legitimate... Like <sighs> eighty five hundred pounds or something that like that. That is freaking. That ain't true. Mm. That's not true. There's no way that's real. It weighs so four. Get your facts straight. Exactly. Five tons. It weighs what? Four point five tons, <laughs> and it and it went three seconds zero to sixty. And of course, that's because it has a thousand horsepower from three motors, twelve hundred pound feet of torque. Apparently. Uh, they had to tune it differently because it was doing wheel stands in development, and they said, "Well, that's not good for the uh, for the road." What? Four tons doing a wheelie. Well, it won't do a wheelie now. It just, it just I squats. understand that, but it did at one point. Sadly, sadly, the Rivian beat it in the quarter mile by 0.1 seconds, but a, but a legitimate six miles per hour. I'm sure because it's way slippery. Way more slippery in the aero stream and also way less weight. Yeah. But, hey, 11.7 at 105 is still a mind-boggling number from something that weighs 9,000 pounds. Wow. Mm-hmm. So there you have it. There's uh, all of the uh, crazy, awesome, uh, uh, quickest trucks that Motor Trend has ever tested.
All right, let's uh, get into our interview with uh, John Pulley from Turn 14, because I really want to drill down on this RPM Act. Thanks for calling Turn 14 Distribution. Transferring to... John Pulley. I like the music. Nice. Hi, this is John. John, it's Lightning and Holman from the Truck Show Podcast. How are you doing, my How friend? How are you? Great. How are you guys doing? We're we're great. Sorry, we're, we're sweating to, right now. Yeah, we're sweating yeah. a little bit. It's a hundred degrees in El Segundo, California, and the sun is uh, shining through our uh, concrete walls and the one window. It's like a prison cell that's padded, <laughs> and the heat is radiating through uh, the walls. So uh, if one of us passes out during the interview, just uh, just send, hang send, up. No, no, just send help, please. <laughs> oh yeah, send help, please. <laughs> Well, I'm in a monsoon on the East Coast, so uh, oh, I, well, right you, there what, with you on the crazy What I wouldn't weather. give to be in a monsoon right now. No, I don't think we want to be in a monsoon. There's a monsoon in my shirt right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, John, you don't know this, but uh, we are our, our podcast studio is next to the Photo Cove at Motor Trend uh, over by LAX. And uh, they built us this beautiful studio, but the problem is they forgot air conditioning. No, no, that's not true. I built us this oh. beautiful studio in this <laughs> abandoned room that used to hold the company's e-waste. And uh, oh, is that why I feel irradiated? Well, and then what happened was COVID hit, so they turned the AC off to the back half of the building because nobody was ever here except for us. So we just suffered through it, and we do this for our listeners because mm-hmm. we love them. Mm-hmm. Well, we live, we love them so much that uh, we need them to understand what the RPM Act is all about. So that is why we got uh, John on the phone. And before we can talk to you, we've got a quick intro. So John, hold on one second. Pull up a stool and share. A stool and share a story. Pull up a stool and share. How about you pull up a stool and share with us? Sorry, John. Everyone gets an embarrassing intro. Well, so we're we're talking about the RPM Act, which is uh, the act that uh, we're trying to get Congress to pass to protect your right to convert your factory vehicle into a race car, which is something that we have all done for decades and decades. And I think, John, as you have in, uh, in one of the things you put out, it is an American pastime. And a few years ago, the EPA changed the ways that they translated the rules and have basically uh, made criminals out of all of us. And so uh, you have started a GoFundMe page, and we'll uh, give that out. But why don't you walk us through a little bit about your passion for defending the RPM Act and, and building awareness behind it? Sure. Um yeah, the RPM Act is uh, extremely important um, for anybody who doesn't know it that um, directly states that you are allowed to convert a street vehicle into a purpose-built racing vehicle. So basically redesigning a car, which would uh, affect emissions equipment, which is obviously what uh, the EPA is most concerned with. And uh, I think we all took it for granted for 50 years or so that that was uh, an acceptable practice when you were uh, preparing a car for the track. But uh, as you alluded to, in 2016, the EPA decided that that was never legal. At least that is their legal stance. What is it, John, exactly that they determined? I guess there was no provision to take a vehicle that had a VIN, right? And then take away that VIN and say, we'll, we'll, you know, you can contact the government, some organization and say, I'd like to give my roadworthiness back to the government on this VIN and it will never be on the road yeah, again. Never see the road. And, and the government just says, no, when that vehicle rolled off the assembly line, it had a certain set of emission standards that went with that vehicle and that is forever. And we have no way of taking that off the books. Or is that kind of right? 
Yeah, so in 2015, the EPA put it out there that they were going to clarify the Clean Air Act, which was uh, from 1970, and say that it never had a provision for competition-only vehicles. The whole industry uh, doesn't agree with that, and they were changing uh, their language in a 600-page brief that they uh, put out to the public for comment. SEMA reacted very well and um, made note of it to everybody, and the whole industry got up and said, wait a minute, that's not the case. So then what the EPA does is in their... um, finalizing the rule, which is after they get the public comment, they took the paragraph that everybody was scared about out. But in the 600 pages, they changed like nine words, which fundamentally changed the meaning of their interpretation of the law. So they said they weren't going to eliminate motorsports, which is what they're kind of doing. And they removed all the verbiage out of there. And the industry kind of relaxed for a second then they they tweaked um, the back-end language, and they've been prosecuting people in our industry for the last, you know, six years uh, using that backbone. And every time they're prosecuting, getting into a consent decree, talking to a company, they're setting a legal precedent um, that this is not allowed. And then we're all somewhat unsure of ourselves as to what is actually legal and what's not legal. So what the RPM Act is doing is it's going to Congress and having Congress say explicitly that from the beginning, we meant to allow you to turn a certified car into a race car. And what RESC, which is the organization that I'm a part of and a a co-chair on, is doing is having the same fight simultaneously through the judicial branch. So... Uh, we're fully in so, support so we of know, the RPM Act. We know that Congress yep. takes time, and it's your yep. hope that the two-pronged approach, both the RPM Act with the backing of SEMA going through the legislative process, but also starting this GoFundMe page with a million-dollar goal, which at this point there's $72,380 already uh, funded, is going to hopefully either be a little bit quicker or attack them on two fronts to where there's a resolution that comes one way or the other, or that there's at least a pause in what the EPA can do through the judicial system while Congress gets the RPM Act hopefully passed, right? And so this is the idea is if we want to save this industry and we want to save racing and we want to save our hobby, we really need to stand up, raise our hands, be part of the solution by donating to the cause and the lawsuit that is going to uh, supplement what's going to Congress. That's... Um, 99% accurate. I just want to correct a couple of things. Sure. It's not a lawsuit. It's a petition to um, ah. uh, federal judges. So the reason I say that is because nobody's going to get any money. I'm not trying to make any money. There's nobody in this industry that's trying to make any money directly off of suing the EPA per se. We are filing a petition and that means we will go to uh, the federal government, to uh, the Court of Appeals. That's one step below the Supreme Court. And the Court of Appeals is willing to hear the case, and they're willing to hear it this summer, and they're willing to decide this uh, this fall whether the EPA's interpretation is right or the industry's interpretation is right. And no matter what, if the industry wins, then the EPA is going to go and bring it to the Supreme Court. So it's very important that everybody in the industry, whether they donate a dollar or a thousand dollars, just says that they're interested in this cause. Because as we all know, the Supreme Court hits hot-button decisions, so the last thing we we'll want to do is not be able to have it seen by them, but this this has the chance to be able to clear things up within the year or so. 
By the way, um, looking at uh, very focused on it. Top donations. Obviously, uh, you're the CEO for Turn 14 Distribution. If you don't or aren't aware of Turn 14, uh, they distribute in a, a ton of all the major brands that that you love in the aftermarket and ha- have been around. You guys, fifty thousand uh, dollars. JMSChip.com, fifty one fifty, which is hilarious. <laughs> uh, Anonymous, twenty eight hundred, and you have a ton of people that have donated five hundred to a thousand dollars. Just showing how important this is, and if you go through on the GoFundMe page, um, the GoFundMe is is entitled "Protect Your Right to Convert Cars into Race Cars," and it says right here that the uh, the Racing Enthusiasts and Suppliers Coalition, so that's RESC, the coalition has filed with the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit to determine if the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency has the authority under the Clean Air Act to prohibit. Any person from disabling, removing, or rendering inoperative emission controls on EPA-certified motor vehicles that is being or has been converted to be used solely, and that's the key in this, solely for the purpose of competition and is or will no longer be used on public roads. The key here and the linchpin of what our argument is, this isn't a back and forth. We're taking a streetcar that is going to become a race car. We're not going back. This isn't like we're, we're going to find a loophole and we're going to be putting our race cars on the street. No, this is a legitimate cause for all of those series out there that start with a production vehicle. And you, you think about it. There's everything from drag racing to dirt track racing to off-road racing with stock, their stock classes. It really touches every part of the racing community in every corner where a lot of these uh, the the amateur racers, in some cases the professionals, will start or their whole racing team and livelihood is surrounding that production vehicle that's been converted. Exactly. You know, it's like taking the football league and saying you have to play in the NFL or you have to not play football. So yeah, it's, I don't know who's going to be able to just start. You know, this is like the, the epitome of the 1% is the only people that can race for the rest of the world because – you can't build a car from the ground up. So it's not just um, a certified car. It's a certified engine, too. So you're still not going to be able to take your transplant engine out of a wrecked car. It had a VIN. It's been certified. It can never be used. So unless somebody knows how we're going to be pouring new engine blocks without the OEs, you know, there's just there's no more racing. It's just eliminated. Now, John... It's actually preposterous. Like, I, I can't even believe it when I'm saying yeah, it. Yeah, I know. know. We, we, when you say it out loud and you hear yourself say it, you almost can't believe that those are the words that we've come to this, that it's that dire that you're going to destroy a multi-billion dollar industry with nine words that have been changed in a document because somebody at the EPA has a hard for... Uh, antagonizing the automotive community. Obviously, it's it's clear that they don't want cars. Period. To some level, and they're going to make it as hard as it's as it is to do anything that surrounds the enjoyment of the automobile, including and especially internal combustion engines. Yeah, let me uh, let me. Uh, I got two cents to put in there. So um, the way the EPA says it, and the way they've talked to the industry, and, and what makes it really really difficult is. They say, we just want to go after bad actors, and we need these rules so we can kind of go after everybody. You can be more uh, diplomatic we, than I can be, by the way. And I, yeah, I, I get yeah. that. I get that's yeah. where we're going, but I represent the angry enthusiast right now. So that's their stance. And 
The problem is, is risk. So when we started, it's not like we're just bringing a petition to the federal government. We've done this for four years. And by done this, it means me and other people that are part of the group have gone down to the EPA in Washington, D.C., and made more than five proposals on ways that we could make them comfortable with us turning cars from certified into race cars, including ways to eliminate VIN numbers and have the industry sell with disclaimers and the signature documents and contracts and none of that is acceptable to them and they're just like it can't exist so is it it, you know we're we're in a corner here it it really feels like they think that every race car also gets driven on the street they don't believe us they just don't they believe every truck will ultimately roll coal on the highway they just i I feel like that's where this is born right i know that's where it's born yeah i mean they just don't believe us they they're doing the numbers and going well x number of thousands of vehicles got quote-unquote turned into race vehicles uh but there aren't that many racetracks so that means they've all got to be on the streets and so we don't believe any of you you're all a bunch of miscreants and we're gonna I feel like it's just them versus us. Yeah, and the other assumption they make in all these mathematical formulas, too, is that so it's if something could be used to disable an emission control system, then when they put these fines together in the consent decrees, the assumption is that every single one of those was used to do that. Ah, yeah. I mean, it, it is... you, can, you can have an exhaust that fits 20 years of car and there is one year where it removes a catalytic converter. And the instructions can say, if you're in that one year, you need to chop your OEM catalytic converter and you need to weld it in there because we're all trying to fight skew proliferation. We don't need one part number for every single model year. So say you write that in your instructions, you're real clear. It's illegal to not do that. That's not okay. They will take you and they will say every single one of those you sold 19 good years, one year that we think somebody could do something that we don't approve of, every single one of those sales is a violation. So that's how you start saying things like there's half a million trucks on the road rolling coal. You know what I mean? That's how you get to those astronomical numbers that are not fair. Well, and if you've listened to the show, as uh, the majority of our listeners who have hung out with us for the last four years have, we've been telling you guys, stop rolling coal. Not only is it wasted horsepower potential – but it makes the whole industry look bad. And stop being obvious and stop doing the, the I'm in Mexico deletes. Like, those are obvious things that you're trying to skirt the law. We're well, telling you, don't do that no, stuff. No, it's social media that's the, making everything yeah, worse. Because- this, is, this, is, this is the stuff that is leading to, we may not even have aftermarket parts available if it goes to the extreme end of, this could just be the stepping stone of the entire industry going away. That's why we have to be responsible, and, and, and that's why we have to play within the rules because there's the, the, the one bad actor that's going to paint the brush for everybody. I mean, and we've had people who – listen, our friend Corey Willis, who has gone through everything with EPA from him tuning and deleting trucks. He's come on here and explained where he came from, why he did it, what his thought process was, and where he's at today. And, and he's been enlightened by the realities of where we're going, and it's no longer something where you can laugh off and go – Oh, don't worry. I did in Mexico, bro. Or I'm gonna I'm gonna light it in my truck this week and wink, wink. No, stop doing that stuff because you're gonna ruin it for all of us. And it's 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 sad. It's sad that this is where we're at. Look, if you're gonna if you're gonna sling drugs or buy drugs, 
don't do it out in front of everyone. Like, go find a darkened alley and do it there. Like, I'm serious. And or don't I, do it at well, don't do it all. all. But I liken this to the drug industry. If they're, oh, so ephedrine is what they use to turn to make meth, right? Ephedrine is in every single Sudafed pill you take to stop your sniffles. All right, so they don't get rid of Sudafed because people are breaking it down and turning it into methamphetamine. There is, there, they've decided that this drug is too important for people like Holman and I who have allergies and, and don't do meth like we need it, right? So they've found a balance. And this is not something that they're willing to find a balance on. And that's bizarre. Like they do well, it. Especially when you have 50 years plus of precedence of people turning cars and race cars and going out and competing. And, and, and it's, Clear, I mean, competition is is part of our livelihood for a lot of people. It's part of the sport. It's part of our hobby. It's part of our identity. It's who we are. It's part of our culture. Uh, for a a body in the government to arbitrarily decide one day that we're done, we're going to change some language and ruin those decades of the thing we love is is pretty amazing. And again, you guys need to go to the Protect Your Right to Convert Cars into Race Cars on GoFundMe. A dollar, five dollars, a thousand dollars—it all—it's all, all going to matter because uh, this is something that could affect the future and your loves of the automobile and trucks and racing and the aftermarket and even your bolt-on exhaust down the line. And we'll uh, we'll share the links, of course, on all of our socials. So I'm a business-to-business distributor, and I'm just here to tell you that it's not just the those major parts anymore. It's like uh, they're looking at a standalone engine management system for a race car not existing. Like this is the death of racing. Like this is like you're talking about Motec, <laughs> Motec, and Haltech, or, or, or maybe AEM. I'm talking or... about billet pistons. I'm talking about billet pistons not being allowed. I'm talking about like it just nothing being acceptable. Like these are not things you put on street cars. These are things that are 100 percent for race cars. But they're saying you can't build it because it's made for a certified car. So if it's got a tag that says it could fit into a certified engine, then that can be a violation. So it's, it's so much farther than people understand. So our friend Brad, Brad and the guys the up industry. at, uh, yeah, uh, the guys up at precision turbo or SNS fuel injection or any of our friends doing performance aftermarket. Pieces. Yeah. Anything. Well, it's crazy. It's freaking crazy. It's yeah. a, it's everything. Wow. It's everything. It's everything. That that's like the hell out of me. I don't want to tell you. Yeah, I mean, you you look at it and it's like uh, because uh, one fat guy in a podcast isn't allowed to have bacon cheeseburgers. Nobody can have <laughs> bacon cheeseburgers. Yeah. So listen, please, guys, uh, please support this. Stay. We'll keep you up to date on the RPM Act. I know we've talked about it before with some friends of SEMA on the show, but it's a lot more dire now than it was a few years ago. Things <sighs> things have progressed, and and unless we get Congress, and I know here's the be- here's the the the. The bright point in all this, when you talk to people involved in talking with the senators and, and Congress people, it has bipartisan re- support. There are people on both sides of the aisle who love cars. And thank- thankfully, there are a lot of enthusiasts in Congress. It's a matter of the timing, getting it there and getting hopefully with a, a friendly uh, congressional class to take this on and, and do something about it. Well, and John... You know, we're a podcast. We've got we've got tens of thousands of listeners, but we're not, uh, you know, Good Morning America. Right. We're just obviously we're not. And we're so how do you get to the Good Morning Americas or how do you get to the guy who I don't know? I How do you get to everyone and let every car enthusiast know, like any guy that's ever bought an exhaust system for his car? 
uh, that could go away. How do you get the word out to the world? Well, to the U.S. anyway. Uh, I just feel like it's it's a really difficult task. And by the time it we do, it's is. too late, you know? Yeah. Um, everybody in the industry has just got to be talking about it. Uh, I will say that one really good thing that uh, about this lawsuit is uh, win or lose, it should help SEMA uh, push the RPM Act across the finish line because – what we're doing is we're making the EPA say what they haven't said outright before. So I've included on the GoFundMe the three pieces of court documents because we're already in court filing documents and we're just waiting to get to uh, verbal arguments, which will be this year. And the EPA, I'm just going to give you a couple of these quotes. Uh, it is illegal to convert motor vehicles into competition-only vehicles. Coalition's argument boils down to professing innocence after killing someone because what you stabbed is now a corpse. EPA has never exempted motor vehicles used for competition. So there are just a litany of these written by the EPA, signed by EPA lawyers, just clearly stating what we've all kind of known but never heard them say out loud. So what we're hoping is that this can get publicity because the EPA has to say outright they think it's illegal, like 100%. And, and once they do, they're they're boxed into that position because they're on the record, and that gives they're you, on the record that that makes that position they they will have to defend it because we will know the reason or at least their thought process and where they're they're putting their stake in the ground, right? So once that's yeah, verbalized, so, it, so they're finally the saying it. You know, yeah. they're finally saying it in public on public documents. So. They can't say they want to support motorsports. Like, yeah, we want to support motorsports and only take out bad actors. That's no longer the case based on what they're saying. So they're not going to be able to use that logic to make them sound more innocent in this than they are. Exactly. And I just wanted to uh, reiterate one last time, uh, the GoFundMe page, again, we'll put the links up. It's Protect Your Right to Convert Cars into Race Cars. 100% of all donations after the GoFundMe fees will be utilized to pay for court costs and legal fees to take this critical case up to the Supreme Court to advocate for reasonable actions by the EPA. And that's that's a, a key point, too. We're only asking for reasonable action. We're not saying we disagree with your premise that you know there some of this could be enforced or that there could be guardrails. We're fine with that, yeah, we're, but, but let's do it within yeah, reason. Let's get rid right? of abuse. Let's get rid of abuse, but yeah. like, we can't have nothing. Not thing just to eliminate abuse and uh says uh, donor money will be only uh used for these purposes donations to resc should not be uh, considered charitable donations for income, income tax purposes please consult your tax advisor you know all the language anyway the racing enthusiast and supplier coalition is the one organizing this fundraiser again please please if you uh if you love cars and trucks and racing and all the things that we love please support this it's it's really important to the industry and um, it's, uh, like, like I said, you guys are at uh, $72,000. Let's help get these guys over a million and, uh, we'll keep, uh, getting the, uh, the word out. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Sorry right. it's come to this. You know? Yeah. Well, John, thank you for, uh, for leading this charge. I, I noticed that on GoFundMe, there are a couple other RPM Act related, uh, pages. Uh, yours is the, is, is, is considerably larger and has more, uh, enthusiasm around it, but maybe we can get the other GoFundMe pages to kind of coalesce into yours. But, you know, there clearly people are into it. You know, any guy that, uh, hell, our, dude, our friend Jimmy, who owns California Car Cover, like he's in the sportsman class at NHRA. The car, not he, anymore. The car he's driving through. is illegal. Yeah. If they are, well, not only is it illegal, but 
it sounds like they want to make it retroactive to punish everybody who's ever done anything in the past. What are they going to do? Go to all every the, NASCAR, the, the Peterson Museum, and start yanking cars out of the historic collection? It's, I mean, it's obviously it's, insane. Yeah, it's overreach. It's, it's yeah, one hundred percent. Oh, so. listen. Well, uh, John, you're doing the Lord's work. So thank yeah. you very much. And uh, we will. Um, oh, when does this close? Is there a date by which you can no longer get donations by, or what's that deal? Um, we're looking to go to a trial by the summer. So, so right, do it so, quick. So act now. Act now. And okay. uh, please give us an update. Feel free to to uh, hit us up, come back on the show anytime. Uh, we'd like to stay in touch with you on the progress of this, so that way our, our listeners know uh, know what's up. We'll do. Just so everybody knows, I mean, this has only been a GoFundMe live for like two weeks. Uh, we have a full advertising campaign that'll bring it to the public. That's going to be launching. You guys are just catching me at the at the beginning. Oh, Perfect. good. I mean, good. Uh, yeah, so this is not uh, it's not actually off the ground, so you're really early here. Uh, I anticipate we'll get to our goal. We've had other goals in the past when we uh, when we went to them with um, uh, other solutions, the EPA with other solutions, and been able to get to those easily. Right. So. Well, what people don't know about Turn 14, by the way, is that Turn 14 basically came out of nowhere what, to, to, to guys in the aftermarket and crushed the others. Like, so when they yeah. decide on a plan, they, they just, they do it. They do it. They knock yep. it out of the park. Like, yep. it's just incredible. So if you were like a mom and pop shop and you were buying from one of the other distributors, yeah. basically and all they're, of a sudden they're, you log on to turn14.com, yeah. you're like, oh, that's how distributors should, these, should These be guys done. are a business to business distributor. They wouldn't, they're not, you may not know them because they don't go direct to consumer, but they're the ones supplying parts to your local mom and pop, your local install shop. Um, so that they can put those v- parts on your vehicle, and they support again a massive amount of all the brands that you've ever heard of, and great company. And John's the CEO, so again, uh, thanks for uh, putting your time into this, and keep us in the loop, and we'll have you back on. We'll do. Appreciate it, guys. Thank right. you, John. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Well, but I feel like it's been forever since we've done uh, red reviews. So if you guys can leave us a review. Sincerely, we really, really appreciate it. It helps us get heard. It helps us uh, Apple. discoverability. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's. I don't think there's an algorithm, but there are people we know for sure at Apple. There's a hundred percent an algorithm. Well, and okay. this factors into what Apple calls their coolness uh, rating or hotness scale or something like okay, that. Well, and, we, we need this. So leave us a rating if you'd be so kind on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Spotify now has uh, a lot of you are listening on Spotify and they do have reviews there. So please do leave us a review. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Five, 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 five stars. Five stars. Right back at you, brother. Oh! Snap! You looked at me because Whoa. you were like, you're going to F up. And yeah. I watched you. I totally. I watched your judgy eyes shoot at me from across the table. <laughs> I daggers I nailed it. Wow. Nailed it. Stunned. Nailed it. This guy's stunned over here. Boom. Wow. Yeah. Holman never yeah. gets that line. Can you do it twice in a row? Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Five, 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 five stars. Five stars. Right back at you, brother. Nope. Uh, not even close on that one. See, now what you're telling me is the first one was luck. No, the first one was skill. I'm just not going to give you everything at once. Mm-hmm. Hey, I don't know how far back we've read these reviews because it's been a while. So uh, I'm going to start with this one. If we've done it before, then, well, so who cares? Yeah. And uh, this one's back from February, and it's Eric from Maine says, uh, best possible way to feel bad about your truck. He says, hey, boys, long story short, I've been a listener since just about the beginning. In 2018, I purchased my brand spanking new Silverado. I thought this was the bee's knees when it came to driving <laughs> until I heard about the crooked steering wheel. And... 
five stars. All right. We appreciate That's that. That's a real Eric. live high five that you guys get for leaving a five star review. That's right. Uh, this one uh, from XRun664 uh, leaves the review of five star chicken sandwich. She says, uh, my husband- five-star chicken sandwich? My husband making me listen to this effing podcast from Colorado, Texas, 14 hours worth. My head is going to explode. But I'm going to tell you where the best chicken sandwich is. <laughs> Otto's in Alma, Colorado. It's a food truck. You can visit the uh, real South Park. In wait, wait, is this Fairplay. all happening in a review on yes. Apple Podcasts? Yes. <laughs> yes. 100%. All right, we've got one from uh, Ferris Mueller. Wait, wait, she gave us five stars. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey. Five stars. I got this one from uh, Ferris Mueller. Says, simply amazing. Ferris Mueller. Holman, keep up the great work. I've been listening since the beginning and have enjoyed every minute of it, including the cheesy jingles that I now sing along with. How dare you. Listening to your show brightens up my gloomy Monday morning commute. And five stars. Also, hey, a lot of you guys, I guarantee you, have gotten a new phone since we started this show. I've gone through like four of them. Yeah, you got to have so, like a 13 yeah. and Pro you all, X. And you all have kids. Go to grab their phones. Scare them like you're going to look and make sure they're not doing anything naughty on there. Go to the Apple Podcast app. Hit five stars or tell them if they want phone privileges to hit the five stars. <laughs> and uh, listen, even if you've left it in the past, leave another. Let Apple know you still love us. Like, we need that. All right, got this one here from Ferris Mueller number two, who now, what, clearly wait, has added. Did we give five stars to the last one? Five stars. stars. I don't know. We did. We didn't. I uh, keep going. It's been a long day. All right. I got this one here. Uh, says, yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. Holman and Lightning. Sorry, Lightning. This way just sounds better. And it's wrong, too. Especially after writing my other review earlier today on my new company iPad. Now this one on my personal phone and later my wife's phone. LOL. Good man. Between the uh, great interviews and knowledge you both share with us listeners, I keep looking forward to Monday and... Five stars. All right, got this one from uh, Grim Reaper. I don't know if I like messages from the Grim Reaper. I do. All right, uh, if you like it, it, says the perfect odd couple for the truck and SUV community. One owns a truck, the other wants to own a truck. Uh, great. Con- <laughs> oh, that's so sad. It is sad. Uh, great content and even better guests touching everything in the truck world with a side of barbecue and in and out. Keep up the good work with a yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. And five, five stars. stars. All right. And uh, last one here from uh, Money D. Cattle says- Money uh, D. Cattle. A work of art. The greatest intro I have ever heard. And five, five stars. stars. All right. So, uh, hey, guys, uh, 946 official uh, reviews. We're trying to break 1,000. We'd love to uh, hang out with you guys and do some post-COVID and uh, post-1,000 review uh, party or get together or gathering. Uh, we want to hear from you. Leave us a review. The Truck Show, The Truck Show, The Truck Show, oh, oh. And he's at LBC Lightning, and I'm at Sean P. Holman, and we are The Truck Show Podcast. And you can reach us at Truck Show Podcast, or you can uh, leave us a review at Apple, or you can go to our email, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com, or we can hear your lovely voices. You can be on The Truck Show Podcast by leaving a very simple message at 657-205-6105 or uh, what we like to refer to as the five-star hotline. Five-star hotline. 657-205-6105 and sometimes you can't remember that because you're on the road. Go to our Instagram at Truck Show Podcast and when you go to the bio there's a call button. Literally just hit call and start talking to us. Hey guys, there's a way to go camping with us. Last opportunity, head over to OlafEvents.com. It's O-L-A-F as an overlanding adventure, adventure families. families as much as that And uh, put in the discount code Lightning Sucks, and you'll uh, be able to hang out with us uh, and go camping. Uh, dude, the event just got released, and it's amazing. Uh, the, the lineup of oh, the lineup, yeah, oh, the schedule. Uh, um, 
pan for gold. Have seminars on how to do. So wait a minute. We, we were we were in. Stamp the, hold on a second. We were in the truck. Blacksmith. We were in the truck, and someone called you out and said, "There's no way that this is all." What, what was that conversation? Were they? There's like, are there you with Billy? And they said, "There's no way that we're, you're doing all this for what it costs." And he says, "Yeah, we are." So. Head on out to Historic Goss, <laughs> California. Support the MDHCA. Uh, please become a member, mdhca.org, or follow the uh, MDHCA uh, new Instagram I started, at the Mojave Road. That would really help us out. So oh, really? Check out all the stuff. Yeah, we're, we're going to be switching everything over to the Mojave Road, so it's easy for everybody to to find. But So at the Mojave Road. At the Mojave Road. Eventually, okay. uh, we'll have uh, that as our URL for the organization and all that as well. But check out our Instagram. You get to see a, a ton of great photos from around the property, 75 acres. All these great old buildings, lots of history there. It's just a, an amazing. If you love history in the desert, just just check it out. You can kind of see what we're all about. And if you want to become a member, it's only thirty five bucks for a year. And hey, come on, come camping with us. So again, it's uh, April twenty second through the twenty fourth. We're going to be camping out there. We've got a little truck show podcast area. Hang out with us. Holman's going to be mixing up some, uh, making some food for us, and uh, telling some jokes, and uh, handing out some brown water. And um, you know what? I think one of my favorite parts is going out there with my kid and getting uh, to- tutored by... Billy Creech, Desert Explorer. <laughs> yes, you'll uh, also get to meet Billy Creech in person, and he's doing a bunch of uh, workshops on uh, how to do uh, you know, the Mojave Road, the Eastern Mojave Heritage Trail, overlanding, all that stuff. We've got... If you guys have ever uh, bought the uh, awesome books from the Mitchells... Uh, they have done a bunch of uh, backcountry uh, guides, and they will be there uh, signing uh, books. Oh, no uh, kidding. So if you have any of their trail guides. So I, on the list, I saw we're, we're panning for gold, right? Yeah, uh, first-class miners will be out there, and you'll be able to pan for gold. Uh, we've got a bunch of 100-year-old stamp mills that we've uh, resurrected, so you can see how those stamp mills used to crush ore. Uh, we've got a walking tour through history through the Outdoor Museum. We've got Overland Exploration Essentials, a bunch of workshops, uh, blacksmithing on site. We've got a few guided tours out in the desert. God, there's just There's so much. Now, uh, which tour do you leave me for dead? Uh, none of them. I'll be too busy like running around out there. <laughs> okay. Uh, Although Billy Creech did say that he was going to shoot me. <laughs> I don't know that <laughs> that, that happened was, uh, on a phone accurate. call that I was uh, listening I, uh, in on. Well, that's because you played Billy Creech uh, Desert Explorer for the eighth time. <laughs> uh, so uh, there's also a uh, course on how to do adventure writing and uh, how to go overlanding, overland book signing, a raffle, the vendor row. Yeah. Uh, just, just, just a lot going it's gonna on. It's going to be awesome. So April yeah. 22nd through the 24th. Last chance. you got to do it now. Yeah, it's in Goffs, California. OlafEvents.com. All right. Uh, hope to see you out there. And uh, if you do, bring your Nissan Titan out. Or if you have another truck, sell it and bring your brand new Nissan Titan out. Uh, <laughs> it's that easy. With your five-year, 100,000-mile warranty that came with that. And then uh, if, if that's too much truck for you, just get the new Frontier if you can find one. They're uh, hot sellers from what I hear. Order one and maybe you'll have one in time. Uh, it's this it's a doubtful weekend. Yeah, that's going to be hard. Yeah, but you might go down to your local Nissan dealer and uh, see what they got because maybe you'll get lucky and you can choose the one that came right off the truck. I'll take that red one on the back. Uh, otherwise, head over to nissanusa.com where you can build and price and check out all the features and uh, see how much it would cost to put a Nissan in your driveway. But if you're stuck with a truck that uh, has got some pedal latency, it's got uh, turbo lag, and you you need to do something about that because it's driving you crazy in rush hour traffic, you need to step into a pedal monster from Banks Powers. Get rid of the throttle enrichment delay that the OEs build in all too often. So that turbo lag that's driving them absolutely bonkers, it plugs in. And it, when you remove the, the pedal monster, 
It's like it was never there. So it's warranty-friendly, so to speak. It's got all the safety features. When you go into reverse, it's the only throttle booster that sets you back to stock automatically, seamlessly, because you don't want to jackknife your trailer or run over grandma. It gives you all the sensitivity that you want. City, sport, and track modes, 10 levels of each. So depending on what truck you drive, whether it's an Eco Diesel, uh, it's a big Ford 6.7, it's a Ram 6.7. Or a whole bunch of different cars. Yep, that too. You can dial in the perfect throttle sensitivity from your phone or the iDash, your choice. To find the right one for your car or truck, go to bankspower.com and type in your year, make, and model. Hey, guys. Looking forward to seeing Holman at Olaf. Hey, what? It will be fun to hang out with my favorite podcast host. Oh, that's awesome. What? Thanks, Alice. I'm looking forward to hanging out with my favorite podcast host, too. You? You? Yourself? The Truck Show Podcast is a production of Motor Trend Group. This podcast was created and produced by Sean Holman and Jay Tillis with production elements by DJ Omar Khan. If you like what you've heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating. And if you're a fan of the Truck Show Podcast, we encourage you to visit and patronize our sponsors. Billy Creech, Desert Explorer. Hey, ho! Teach us what you know. Go ahead, Billy. We're waiting. <laughs>